Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 58, entitled, Professor Xavier is a Jerk, in which I'll be examining issue number 51. Guess what? Kitty Pride was right, everybody. Please stay tuned. All right, before we go any further, let's talk quickly about our creative team. Obviously, Chris Claremont's on the book. He's writing, but he's been paired here with a guest artist, and that's Kevin Nolan. And Kevin Nolan on this book, in my opinion, is fantastic. His art here is perfect, and he pairs really, really well with Claremont. And I'm going to point out multiple places where I think the art and the story are just perfect. I'm going to take a moment just to talk about that right here, right now. That's extremely hard to do, in my opinion, when you're working in the Marvel style. The reason sometimes I think the art doesn't jive with a writer isn't so much because either one's not doing a good job. The problem with the Marvel style is that they get together and maybe have a conversation over the phone or whatever. Maybe they'd meet in person and they'd map out some sort of plot. Or the writer has a basic plot line and he sends it on to the artist. The artist now draws the plot, creates the story, and the writer comes back and fills in the story. And then you have a letter that helps to organize those word bubbles and textural parts into the, the book itself. That is the Marvel style. So it's no wonder that it doesn't always match up. I mean, John Bryan, for crying out loud, he got really upset with Claremont. The falling out is over an issue in X-Men where Colossus ripping a tree out of the ground and, and what Bryan had envisioned was that this was an easy task for Colossus. Claremont didn't write it as such. And I guess in, in Brian's eyes, the level of disrespect, and it probably wasn't the first time or the last time that happened while they worked together. So that that's where the falling out occurs. Or at least that's kind of the highlighted falling out, the one that is pretty common knowledge. When you have that kind of potential for mistake, it's not surprising that sometimes the artists and the writers just aren't on the same page. Well, that is not the case here. As I've said, I think they work extremely well together. And it's, in my opinion, it's really too bad that they didn't get a chance to do more issues together. I think this, this I think they could have been fantastic together. Let's talk a little bit about Nolan. Nolan is from Nebraska. He's done about everything you can do in comics. He's inked. He's done pencils. He's done coloring. He's done letters. He's done it all. Like, this man is a jack-of-all-trades. He's an artist's artist. He has done pretty much everything there is to do in the production of comics. He He's kind of, a, like I said, a jack-of-all-trades in that regard. He's written some books. So he's very much aware. Now, at this time, he's pretty new. Not, not super new, but, I mean, he's early in his career still with Marvel. And, you know, he's going to go on. He's works with, he's done work with DC. He's worked for pretty much everybody. And he's really never had a long-running title where he's worked on it. He's kind of, especially at this point, he's not. Um, I've, I think the first time I really noticed his work, other than in New Mutants, was on Hulk run um he he does some work in hulk and and usually his team like his art style it, it it very much uh fits like this weird kind of psychedelic little more offbeat style he did work on doctor strange and in this hulk run that that he works on it's it's kind of like uh if i'm not mistaken i i, I think hulk 
is having like a psychic shift and like he and Bruce Banner are struggling for control of Hulk. I, if I remember right, I might be wrong about that. Um, but anyways, his work does, I, I think he just does fantastic work. Um, his art, it's going to get lambasted by the fans. Or not, but there's not a lot of fans at the time that he did this. That They're just not. Just not big fans of his work. You know, a lot of people accused him of being a knockoff of Zinkevich and a poor knockoff at that. And we'll and we'll kind of go over some of those complaints. I, I as we as we go along here, we'll we'll talk about what the fans' reaction to his work was. Um, but anyways, yeah, we've got uh, those two, and then we have obviously our normal crew um, on the book. We've got Tom Orzechewski. Galinus Oliver and Nascenti and Jim Shooter all working on the book, just like always. And that's the creative team going into this book. Um, and you would think maybe there's not that much of a shift. It's not that different. But uh, the addition of Nolan to this book, it really, for me, makes this a stellar, stellar issue. So this issue is entitled Teacher's Choice. And it's a typical Claremont quiet issue. We are seeing some storylines being knotted up nicely, we're resetting our status quo, and we're really giving the comic a new direction in a lot of ways. We're kind of closing the door on some other aspects. And Nolan, in my opinion, his layouts for this issue are stunning, and it starts right here immediately for me. I love how he lays out this first panel. we got this shot of the, the mansion and the grounds, a shot of Storm's room, a shot of Danny's room, the Danger Room, and then Magneto's Desk. And let's just quickly talk about his choice. And this is, may have been something he and Claremont discussed. I don't know. But we've got two leaders, right? We've got Storm, the leader of the X-Men, and her room is empty. The X-Men are nowhere to be found. And Dan and Danny, Moonstar, Mirage, right? She's the leader of the New Mutants. That, I think, is beautiful. I think it, it speaks to the level of importance of these two women in the 80s, in an 80s comic, and their place in these comics. That's unusual, especially at that time, and I think it's still unusual today. It's getting better, but it's. I think we live in a society that is focused a lot, especially in superhero comics, on what a man's role is, and we are definitely not seeing that here, and that's, that's really kind of cool. The next panel that I really am blown away by is this desk of Magneto. So much is really depicted here. It's it's Magneto's life for crying out loud. Really his life with Xavier though. Right? Let's let's look at the pictures on the desk. We've got Magneto, Xavier, and I think that's Gabriel Gabriel Haller. So this is Xavier and Magneto's first meeting, right? So this this desk represents Magneto's life since meeting Xavier and his role in the New Mutants. We've got Magneto surrounded by the New Mutants. It looks like a picture of probably Lee Forrester. And then uh, we see Wanda uh, and her baby. And Wanda Maximoff has gone off and on being Magneto's daughter. And then there's a note scratched in the book about uh, meeting with the Hellfire Club. When I look at this panel and I see these photos, this Desk also suggests a difference in relationships. Xavier, his relationships are garbage. Think about it. Juggernaut, his half-brother wants to kill him. You know, he used his abilities to manipulate a woman who's suffering tr from trauma into a romantic relationship. They have a child together that he's not part of their, his child's life. This woman really doesn't have any romantic interest in Xavier. Xavier's relationship with his students. Think about that. He is very much desires, and we're going to see this play out in this 
issue, to be in control, for them to do as he says. He knows best. He is good with kids that are afraid and don't know how to use their powers, cannot manage their powers. On the other hand, we see Magneto and the way he interacts with his students. Yes, he is at times domineering, gruff, scary, mostly because of his past, makes him a difficult character for his students to interact with. But we see moments where like, he is going to protect these kids no matter what, no matter the cost to himself. There are moments, too, where we see Magneto allowing his students to figure out their problems on their own when appropriate, where Xavier would actually step in and manipulate the situation and take control. Magneto's not, one, not able to do that because he doesn't have the telepathy. So they're different in that regard. But we're going to see later in this issue how Xavier interacts with his students and how that's different than the way Magneto does. And, and I think that these photos, in a way, kind of tell us the difference that these two characters have. They're bonded so closely together, and they're very similar in a lot of ways. They both want what's best for the generations to come. They want to protect them, but they both have different ways about going about it, right? Like, so much information is conveyed here. And we're also learning through the narration, nobody's here, basically. Everybody's missing, and some really bad stuff's been going on. We're going to see kind of this is just really what Claremont and Nolan do is take these two pages in their panels, tell the story of what's happened up until here, how we've got to this point. We follow out into space and we see the world that the Star Jammers were on and they fought Mangus and Warlock and Doug Ramsey defeated Mangus and the world's crushed. It's destroyed. And everyone that lived on it is dead. Starjammer, bad shape. The ship's really struggling. Remember, we talked about the last episode, how Starjammer had come to this planet for repairs. Specifically for repairs. The planet's destroyed. They didn't get repairs. And their ships were worse for wear from the run-in with Magus. So they're trying to fix it. Things aren't going great. And Xavier, in the meanwhile, he and his students are in the med bay. Xavier's just trying to figure out Basically, he's trying to get caught up on what's happened on Earth since he's been gone. Remember, he left the New Mutants in the care of Magneto because his body had basically been destroyed and he was dying. So he went into space. They've saved his body and uh, he's living now, but he has no idea what's been happening on Earth. And if we think back, things on Earth are not great if you're a mutant. They link telepathically and we get this beautiful, I mean, this stunningly beautiful splash page and we have xavier's head floating in the corner i'm going to put this up as a visual companion so we can all see it and we can all enjoy it together and the new mutants are in the sewer xavier's seeing this in their minds and he's seeing the subways the, the underground where the morlocks live and there's just bodies upon bodies piles of piles of morlocks dead i mean it's He's feeling and he's seeing all of this. He's taking in all the sensory information from his students. Everything they experienced, he's getting that now. And it's ugly. He's learning about what's happened. He learned about, he's learning about the Marauders. He learned about how the X-Men were just, just really pounded into the ground. They really took a beating. Lots of Morlock dead. And, and there's three X-Men that may not fight. At this point in the comics, we, you know, if we would have been reading up until now, collecting and reading these issues, we wouldn't know what was coming next. And so, if we think about it, Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, and 
and Colossus are in bad shape. Colossus can't revert from his metal form. K-Pride stuck phased and losing, phasing further and further made just disappear into nothingness. And Nightcrawler is severely injured himself. So, I mean, it's bad. It's bad. And then he gets further glimpses of his original students. They've joined this group called X-Factor. They're hunting mutants. And that's enough. He, Xavier just can't take it. He's overwhelmed. And he, and he breaks contact. And he and Lalandra, his, his alien lover, they have a moment. And Xavier's pretty much certain he's going home. He doesn't know what else to do. And there's this freaking amazing set of panels that really... Nolan lays this out so perfect. I mean, Xavier, we see him distraught, and we see just he wants to be with Landra, but he looks to his right right now they're helpless because they're unconscious, and he and he looks at them and he thinks he's got to be there for them. And we've this last panel. There's no nothing. It's just an empty panel with just Landra looking one way and Xavier across the room. They're silent. There's no talking. There's no 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 narration. We just know from the art that this is not an easy decision for either of them, and neither of them neither is happy. Elsewhere on Earth, we find Storm and Magneto. They are on the Carolina coast. They're trying to save a community there. It's just about to be overwhelmed by a hurricane. The levee's broken, and it's bad. The situation's really bad. So Magneto... Uh, is using his powers to to rip apart a derelict ocean vessel, a, a cruise ship, and use it to create a to create a new breakwater to really hold back the ocean. And they they muse about having saved these people. Yet Magneto thinks that if they knew that mutants had saved them, they would attack them and try to do them harm. This is the situation everyone's stuck in. Fear and distrust and really the X-Men, especially now, feel very vulnerable. They're under attack and onslaught from the humans, but also from the Marauders. And they're looking for allies. And their ally, which we kind of had alluded to throughout other issues, is a potential merger or at least joining the lord's cardinal on the with the hellfire club and that's an offer that's been extended to magneto he's been offered to become the white king this is something he's not sure he can do he's afraid he he's fought so hard to change his ways to to really try to walk the path xavier has set for him or the example that follow the example that xavier set he's afraid that if he works with the lord cardinal and the hellfire club He'll revert to his old ways. And he there's this great bit where he manipulates some some iron into a tri, uh, trident. And then he uses his magnetism to manipulate it into his magneto's helmet. And Storm's got a different opinion. She thinks he's got the ability. She thinks that he is strong enough to resist the temptation to go evil again. That, that he's capable of, of walking this path. They're not sure what the right move is. I mean, Storm is more sure than Magneto. She thinks they need to have an alliance. Definitely have to have an alliance if they're going to survive. A quick aside, you know, I find it really interesting. We're reminded here that Storm's depowered. She doesn't have her powers. She's had those taken away from her when uh, she was struck by a ray that was created by Forge. Now, powerless, she still leads the X-Men. This is so awesome because Danny mirrors her character so 
surprisingly. Um, later on, we're going to see Danny depowered during M-Day. Now, Claremont didn't write that, but interestingly enough, she remains part of the X-Men and actually leads teams when she doesn't have powers, just as Stormhead. Both these characters are characters Claremont really, really love. It's cool to see that playing out here. Claremont cares about these characters, and he does a great job with them. And they're very similar. Anyways, back to the story. Magneto and Storm, they've got a lot to think about. They've got a lot to decide. And, uh, yeah, they take off. They, they head on to worry out their problems somewhere else. In space, we find the crew of the Starjammer, the New Mutants, and Xavier all struggling to really repair the damage to the vessel. The New Mutants are helping the best they can. All of this is kind of interrupted by Rain. She's panicked, and Xavier can't even get a read on her mind because she's so scared and so, like, just emotional. Like, he's not able to really pinpoint what's going on telepathically so he he and shane Clayman and danny they'll they'll run to rain and rain explains iliana's really upset she doesn't want to teleport back to limbo and has locked herself in the room she's not going to leave the ship she refuses to go to limbo she's terrified and xavier takes over he tries to communicate you know he talks to iliana iliana won't Refuses to open the door and refusing to come out. Now, Xavier, you know, he's ready to use force. He wants to use his abilities. He's he's going to take control of the situation. He's going to force her to do what he wants. Danny, she doesn't think that's a good idea. Danny, remember, she's had some moments where her and Ileana have kind of bonded. This whole team has bonded together. They've been out doing their thing. They are close-knit group, and they have supported each other through a lot of stuff, Xavier doesn't want to give anyone else that opportunity. He sees Ileana as the only way home, and if she won't go to limo, if any of these attempts fail, they're stuck here, and he can't have that. He won't allow that. And he tells Shane Coyne Mana to use her powers to possess Ileana and make her open the door. And doing this, he, he even takes this opportunity to read her thoughts, to just to figure out what's going on, because he doesn't want to fight with her and have her explain the situation. Danny's really upset. And it turns out what we've discovered is that, yeah, she's really afraid to go to limbo. She doesn't want to go to limbo. She just wants to stay here. She wants to to be free of this dark child essence. She doesn't want to be a demon sorcerer anymore. She just wants to be a normal girl. She's really upset and really angry. And so's Danny. And she's comforts Ileana and, and accuses Xavier. Are these answers really worth all the pain you've caused, Ileana? You've gotten, you know, like he's gotten her his pound of flesh. You know, he's concerned she's right. And what we're really seeing here, and, and this is the thing, Xavier is, is not capable of being what these kids need anymore. These kids have outgrown him. He's treating them like they're the kids he found in the origin story, right? He's cheating these these kids like their children and and they are children but they've been on their own and they've been allowed to have these opportunities to comfort and work together to overcome great odds and they kind of don't need xavier to manipulate and control everything all this is going to be interrupted because they're under attack and before we go on this is a place where we see a lot of complaints this is kind of the the big point of 
contention from some writers who wrote in uh, to Marvel and, and to Kevin Nolan in particular and complained about his art. And Nolan's actually kept a lot of those complaints and he's posted them online. Some people complain about Sam's face. They say he looks like Jughead. Um, others have complained about Danny's facial features. There's one panel where her, her face looks kind of chunky. I think these are racial stereotypes in a lot of ways, uh, especially with Danny. Very native features, and I'm, I'm guessing it's somewhat, you know, artistic stereotypes. That's what we're seeing here on the panel, and a lot of her facial structure, the way it's shaped, the way it's formed on the page, I would argue is that. I, You know, I've complained in the past about how Claremont's writing sometimes is stereotypical. Well, art can be that too. Like, there's generic images that depict a certain race or, or ethnic group, and, and I think that's kind of happened here to a certain degree. So, yeah, I mean... and. Yeah, honestly, there's some minor issues. There's people complain about the eyes just being dots. I don't, I don't have a lot of complaints here. There are times the facial expressions are excellent. I think um, you can tell the characters' faces apart from one another if they're standing in a group. I can tell you who, which characters which. I appreciate that. Um, sometimes artists artists aren't always capable of doing that. So, um, all in all, I think. He's done an excellent job on this issue. Now, back to our story. Like I said, Xavier senses something. They're under attack. And sure enough, they're going to attack the vessel and, and try to destroy it. And if it wasn't for Xavier's telepathic abilities, they wouldn't have known. They're, they're cloaked and they're fighting nuclear warheads on them. Now, Xavier guides them through all of this turmoil and this, this, this craziness. He gets, the students get on board again and, and they're, they're dodging everything they possibly can to try to, try to survive this. And Xavier's gotta now decide whether he's gonna go back to Earth with his students or is he gonna stay here with the Starjammer? It takes him some time, you know? It's, it's a tough decision for him. But he ultimately decides to stay with the Starjammers rather than going back to Earth with the students. And of course, we have one last moment where Ileana is refusing. I'm unwilling to teleport to, to Limbo. She wants him to go with because he gives her strength. She needs him, she, she tells him. Xavier has karma take control, possess Ileana, and forces her to teleport back to Earth with the rest of the students through Limbo. To me, this is the most shocking part in the comic. This, he went from the savior of Ileana, this understanding mentor that these students really loved and cared about, to almost villainous proportions in my, in my estimate, especially when he undermines the student that he's chosen to lead his team, right? He undermines Danny here. The whole thing is creepy and gross and disgusting. And in this last moment, while they're under attack, he, you know, these quick decisions, maybe there's an argument to be made. But to get her to come out of her, her room and not even allowing Danny the opportunity to speak with her friend and teammate is just astounding to me. And it, it falls in line. You know, once again, Xavier has proven himself that he's a jerk. Professor Xavier is a jerk. Kitty Pride had it right all along, and here he shows his true colors. Next, we find the New Mutants back at the mansion. 
it's completely empty. And of course, you guessed it, Ileana is irate. She's drawing her soul sword. She's kind of backed herself into a corner. Her friends are trying to calm her down, especially Sam. He's really trying to calm her. And she's, you know, threatening to jam the soul sword through his, through his heart. You know, she feels like she's been used. She's a puppet and tells him that her pet demons who are out to kill her now have treated her better and she leaves she goes to limbo she just teleports away danny's kind of understanding honestly you know sam says well she's mad and danny's like well wouldn't you be if you'd been used that way and absolutely you know like i've already talked about it it's just really my least favorite thing about the comic but again it's like my favorite thing it shows how much these characters have grown how much these characters really have grown they do not need xavier to micromanage and baby them anymore they are capable of functioning on their own and we're seeing that here roberto he's just glad to be home and he tells him to cheer up how bad can things be well, we're about to find out how bad things can be. How bad is it, Roberto? Well, your school headmaster and the leader of the X-Men are preparing to take part in a ceremony that will make them the White King of the Hellfire Club. So that's where things are at. And Magneto's preparing, right? He's getting dressed and he's concerned. And Storm tells him, you know, they're equals. They're, they're joining this as equals. It's going to be a give and take. Each side will benefit from this. And instead of wearing the traditional garb, this Victorian-style outfit that he doesn't really feel like he belongs in, Magneto decides, as he rips the clothing off, to dress in his his traditional costume, this fuchsia purple outfit with the red cape. And I want to talk about art here. Magneto, he's an older gentleman, you know? He's an older man, and... His body, because we see him rip his shirt, it looks like that of an older man. It's barrel-chested, yes, but it looks kind of frumpy, especially in the gut. And I kind of like that. It's a nice touch. Um, anyways, they go down to begin the ceremony, and of course, Shaw is not interested. He doesn't like it. He finds this kind of disrespectful. But the White Queen smooths things over, and they're going to you know, go ahead with the ceremony. Storm and... And Magneto will become the White King. They will be co-dual White Kings. They'll be um, working together and functioning as White King together. And this is kind of a long game. Shaw believes that this is going to be to his benefit. He's going to manipulate this to his benefit. Well, because this is kind of uh, a very dark and backstabby type of group of people, um, Selina, the Black Queen believe she's going to take benefit the most from this because they will be so busy fighting amongst themselves she'll be able to operate um without anyone even paying her any attention so this is the new direction right uh, we're going to see the hellfire club become more prevalent and the new mutants are here to stay under magneto's tutelage xavier is going to be gallivanting in space for a good while now and uh the new mutants for the most part, are going to begin to function on their own. Yeah, this is the new status quo. It is a reset to a certain degree, but this this is a different direction than we had before for the new mutants. 
James explores the new mutants, as as always, recorded in Des Moines, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every other Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast at Twitter at Exploring New Mutant via email at exploringthenewmutants at gmail.com. Visual companions can be found on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another great way to reach the podcast is via Anchor. You can record minute-long messages that are sent directly to me. I can add them directly into our episodes and answer any questions live on the air. Otherwise, um, I can do my best to uh, answer questions via email or Twitter. Whatever works best for you. Um, Next week, we'll be diving into issue 52. So, until then... Keep reading those comics.